return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Bible, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, hallelujah. So I want to start out this morning, uh, uh, George Floyd, of course, had lived in Minneapolis, and he was by Cup Foods uh, some days ago, the intersection of 38th and Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis. And of course, since then, about all you hear is bad, of course, with people marching or race uh, uh, riots, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of that is good, of course, because we have to bring awareness to stuff. But one thing that's really good is that George Floyd's family, there's a lot of them that love the Lord, and they specifically asked a black evangelist to go to that intersection and to preach. And so where that intersection is at, there are no riots. Where that intersection is at, it is set up so that there's a platform, people are there every day, day and night, and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people, many, many people, have gotten born again, People, they brought out a big tank so people can be baptized in water. <laughs> and uh, one of our friends that we knew, he's, uh, we thought he was young, he's 36, I guess, but Josh travels the world, but he's out there, he shows it live each night and so forth, things happening. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the gospel being preached. Let's just show a couple of these, there's a couple of just quick videos that we're going to just uh, do that. I believe that you rose again, defeating life. Praying a sinner's prayer here. Your love. Yeah. 
So you see uh, things happening there, and there's no police. Please don't even come there. Uh, the presence of the Lord is there. And as, and as even as she was preaching there, I just thought, you know, when Christ died on the cross for us, most people, when they die on the cross, they're not dying of their injuries. They're dying of suffocation because they can't breathe. And even Jesus, just thinking on the cross, I can't breathe, but he gave his life for you and I. And because of his life, we can have life. And what a powerful thing that is. What a powerful statement that is. And now, over the last days, hundreds and hundreds of people have been saved. People have just in their street clothes that get baptized in the water tank and so forth. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for how the Holy Spirit is moving. And we always have to look at things. Around the world, there's always injustice. There's always discrimination. There's always issues. But let's, let's see what the Holy Spirit can do in spite of that in bringing people together. Of course, the way to ultimately bring people together is at the cross. Amen? Is getting hearts changed, a heart changed in here, then so many other things begin to change. And we can lower our walls and begin to communicate. Amen? And I just want to say again how important it is to communicate and to share with each other heart-to-heart fellowship, ask questions and visit. Uh, one of the things we had last week in the bulletin, Martin Luther King said, returning violence for violence only multiplies violence. All right? Adding to a deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only love can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Amen? And then he said, uh, not law, not Long before Martin Luther King died, he says, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And folks, I think that's, that's just so true, the love of God that can transform us and transform others, of course. But lots of times we're, we're praying, Lord, change those people. And, and really we should be praying, Lord, change me <laughs> to be like you, to be loving, to be caring, to be reaching out. Amen. Because uh, in our time, this is, these are things we need. Amen? A lot of fellowship, a lot of fellowship that, that, let's just call it this way, people come to churches or so forth, and even in the pastor's conferences when we've had, I've always tell them, take off your mask. Because a lot of fellowship is like, oh, how are you doing? Who won the ball game last night? When are we going to get rain? What's, what's the whatever? You know, talking about surfacey, surfacey mundane things. And really, folks, Fellowship gets down to the heart, like how it's, how's it really going in your life? Amen? There's people in all walks of life. There's people in all walks of life uh, who, tragically, we've been around the ministry now about 40 years here, where someone commits suicide and someone else says, I didn't even know they had a problem. Yes, yeah, because you never got below the surface. Things in life are huge. I remember a doctor that good friends at the Brookings Clinic and so forth, and this guy was well-liked and so forth, and going through things in his life. He was going through a divorce and whatever, checked out at noon, like people would go to have lunch and whatever, parked on the road just not far from here, and put a gun to his head and ended his life. Everybody at the clinic, everybody's shocked because no one ever talked about life. Every one of you, every one of us goes through things. We all face things. 
We all face things in our jobs. We face things in our families. We face things, maybe it could be uh, with racial issues, things that happen. But we'll never walk really together. We'll never really walk when, when it talks about in Philippians, you know, walking in the unity of the Spirit. We'll never do that unless we actually get below things and know what's going on in somebody's life. And, of course, that's risky because someone might be quick to judge or pass off, and that's where you have to have a big heart. Let's face it. Everybody here in this room has problems. Can we agree? Everybody has problems. That's why we needed a Savior, Jesus. That's why we still need a Savior, Jesus. I've walked with the Lord a long time, but I need Him all the time. I realize more and more how much I need Him. We need a Savior because of things in our lives. Amen? So today, you know, I want to just talk again. I want to talk a little bit about the dressing room of God. The dressing room. People don't think about it that much, but there is a dressing room of God, all right? You know, and we know that people change. It can change in a good way. Saul of Tarsus was the terrorist of his day. He was a terrible, terrible person. Helped to imprison people, helped to kill people, helped to destroy families. He destroyed churches. Yet, he turned around, and now that was a result of his programming. Everybody has opinions and attitudes, and that's because of their programming. Amen? Every one of you, me me included, we were raised by parents, and then we're influenced by people around us, and that's how we shape, without Jesus, that's how we shape our values. That's my opinion. This is my point of view. And we all tend to think that my point of view is right. This is human nature. So you tend to think as a human, the way I see it, this is right. But you might be 100% wrong. Unless, unless you go out of your little safety zone and just look at other stuff. Saul of Tarsus turned around. He was 100% wrong. Gets saved on the road to Damascus. Gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized in water and so forth. And separates himself, gets in the presence of God and realizes, wow, like I have to renew everything. And he did in his life. And then he comes back after a number of years and begins to walk in the church and begins to walk in apostolic ministry. I like that because I think, well, there's hope. There's hope for all of us. Let's read this scripture again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. We we kind of brought this up last week. Now, Jesus died for us. The middle letter of sin is I, all right? That's the middle of sin is I, me. So he died so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but live for Jesus, all right? So, so just by nature, by human nature, we are self-centered, all right, so everything in your universe revolves around you and me, me, all right? It's all about me. <laughs> Someone said one time, enough about me. What do you think of me? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, life does not revolve around you. And it takes a revelation to understand that. In marriages, good marriages are marriages where the people are serving. Where they're not just after stuff for themselves, but they're serving together. Amen? That's how a good marriage happens. 
But if a marriage is just based on like, serve me, work for me, do things for me, never going to work. Never going to be happy anyway. So we should not live. Jesus delivered me from me. He changes us. And he changes us so that we will be like him. We go down a few verses. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Go down a few verses. And this says, when we're in Christ and we're grafted in, you know, as Gentiles, we're grafted in, joined him by faith. And it says he's a new creature. We become a new creation. We're renewed. We're reborn by the Holy Spirit. Now, these old things, the previous moral spiritual condition that we had, we all had, passes away. The old new things come. Spiritual awakening brings new life. Now, this means that there's change. Amen? One of the things that passes away are old prejudices. Old ways of living. Old ways of doing things. Isn't that right? For us, for most of us here, and God bless many of you coming from uh, Africa, coming to South Dakota State, stepping out in faith and so forth, it's wonderful. But for South Dakota, let's just talk about South Dakota. Predominantly, we have a white state and we have a native state, Native American state. The only way you get to know things about somebody else is by talking with them. Isn't that right? I told you about, I had, I had a distant relative, an uncle, that lived in Tinley Park, Illinois. He farmed. And I went out there as a young kid, junior high. There was an anniversary, and the polka, they had polka dance Germans, you know, polka dances and stuff. And he disliked two groups of people. He didn't like police, and he didn't like black people. Now, he had no reason not to like any of them. He just didn't like them. He, he was just, that was his point of view. I can remember driving around, and he would make comments and stuff. So his name was Bill, Bill Feigl. And Bill, at the end of his life, that I found out later from my parents, he went, his farm was sold, which is all city land now out there by I-80. And uh, uh, his farm was sold, and he went into a nursing home, and he had to have a roommate, and his roommate was a black man. And so they were together and begin to talk about what they did in life. Of course, Bill was a farmer. I don't, I don't know what the black man did. But they begin to talk about life. And these two men who, for Bill, he would have always been adversarial as far as racially. Now his eyes are open and he realized this guy became his best friend. Because they talked. Because they shared life together. Because they visited about things that they did, but also what they went through. And all of Bill's prejudices begin to drop through the floor. That's a good thing. Amen? Amen? Now, how do I know for anybody here, or anybody listening, of course, we have Facebook Live, and we greet you from around the world, for that matter, from other countries that are watching. And, of course, I just want to say for India, we're praying for you. We know you're in a very difficult situation. But we're praying for you. We're praying for you pastors, church leaders there. And we're praying for uh, release, that there will be a breakthrough health-wise and that you can begin having services and reaching out again. So we just bless you in Jesus' name. But how do I know anything about anybody here unless we talk, right? And so when you talk with people, you have to scratch below the surface to say what's going on. Amen? As a Christian, we should desire 
changed. That's why we go to the dressing room. What do you do in a dressing room? You change. In a physical dressing room, you're changing your clothes. But this is key. A dressing room is a changing room. It's a spiritual place, just, you know, spiritual place where your relationship with Jesus Christ, as you read your Bible, and of course, that's the key, amen? How am I going to know what to do or believe unless I get into the New Testament? New Testament particularly, amen? That's the covenant we're in. I get in there and I realize, oh, I need to change. Now, Scripture says in Ephesians 4, we're going to go to Ephesians. So just open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We're going to camp there for a little bit. It says this in verse 17, that uh, uh, in the Lord you should no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, the foolishness, emptiness of their souls. But now we come in Christ, for their moral understanding is darkened. So their understanding is darkened. This is where all of us once were. Our understanding was darkened. Our reasoning is clouded. We're alienated, in other words, separated, self-banishment from the life of God, so separated from Jesus. So our understanding, our understanding is dark, our reasoning is clouded, so, and we're separated from the life of God. So really our vision is about this much. Without Jesus, it's about two inches in front of you. That's where you're at. And it says, because of our ignorance and spiritual blindness, that is deep-seated within us because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. Now that's, of course... That's where the world is at. So in these times, it's very important that the church becomes an example. People can say, I love Jesus. Let me just say this, not good enough. People can say, I'm spirit-filled. Not good enough. Things change on purpose. When the Holy Spirit fell in the United States on the West Coast in Azusa Street, Many of the original people were African-Americans. William Seymour was a black man, tremendous prayer and so forth. And the Holy Spirit fell and many, many people spoke in tongues and white people joined also. But then, of course, because of because of the culture and everything, it couldn't be that black people and white people would actually worship together and work together and so forth. No, because of culture and because people were afraid of what others would think, they made separations. And so out of the great move of the Holy Spirit, people say, oh, I want to follow the Holy Spirit. And that's great. But you still have to choose to follow the way Jesus wants you to go. So out of that, there's two great movements that came out of Azusa Street. One was a white Pentecostal movement and one was a black Pentecostal movement. And they were that way because of the culture. They were forced to be that way. Let me just speak for the white Pentecostal movement. They decided, officially, that they would not have black people in their service because they didn't want to offend anybody, especially in the South. We don't want to offend these people that are coming. There's a white businessman. We couldn't have these black people here. So they made them go to their own churches, other churches. So they're saved. People say, oh, I'm spirit-filled, spirit-filled. And yet 100% contrary to the heart of Jesus Christ. Do you get my point here? You can read this in history things, all right? So we change on purpose. It isn't good enough to say, I love Jesus. I'm spirit-filled. That's not good enough. You have to purposely go to make connections. There was a church in Sioux Falls. And so an African church was 
renting the facility of this white church, denominational church. They didn't have a building, and this, this is very common. So they're renting the facility. So the president of the congregation calls me to say, he hears from my kids just things that happen here, but he says, he says, he said, how can we make how can we make this different? How can we get them to come to our services? How can we get them to, so to speak, fellowship with us? And I said to this man, I said, well, this is what you need to do. Now, in, this, in their group, they had a president of the congregation, and they have the pastor, and they have a church board, and all the things like that. I said, okay, yeah, I was listening to him, and I said, okay, this, this is what you, where you need to start. I said, you should go to their service. You and the pastor, take the pastor, and go to their service on the Sunday afternoon. Pause. Well, he said their service is quite long. I said, I know that. Pause. I said, I said they probably have probably some fellowship, maybe some food. Yes, they do. I said, well, you should go and participate in that. And you should, you should sit down with them. Pause. Well, their food's a lot different. I said, I know. Pause. See, he wanted, white people wanted them to come over to our side. You fellowship with us. You be with us because, like, we're so great. But the truth is for him that I was giving him advice, which is good advice, by the way. You go to their service. You sit in their service. You join in their meal. You fellowship with them. And then maybe some will want to come over where you're at. About a 20-minute conversation, 30-minute conversation, a lot of pauses from him. And I would say, do you understand what I'm saying? He would agree. He was a businessman. He agreed. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. Change, change doesn't always come easy, but it's necessary, Right? It's like if your kids are playing outside and they're all dirty or sweaty or whatever, you come in. Well, you probably don't want them to sit down on a new sofa or something. You'd say, go change your clothes and wash up. I'm okay, mom. Hands are dirty. No, go, go wash up. Go change your clothes, you know. Change is necessary. Change, folks, is good if you embrace it. So we choose, we choose to go into the dressing room of God. We want change. How many of you ever been... I'm assuming most of you, maybe younger ones have, have been in a dressing room at a store. You're buying something. You want to try it on. You want to see how it fits. At every dressing room, you're only putting on new things. You don't go into a dressing room and say, boy, I saw this tattered, dirty shirt. I'd like to try it on. No, no, no. You don't see that. You don't, you don't see that. You might be wearing a tattered, dirty shirt. But you go into a dressing room to try on something new, something that's nice, something that looks good. That's why you go into the dressing room, right? You're trying something on. It's never for something bad. The dressing room is a place where good things happen if you allow it. So first and foremost, you have to choose to do that. Now, let's look at Ephesians 4 a second. Ephesians 4, verse 22 says, regarding the previous way of your life, you put off your old self. Now, this is the dressing room, okay? Verse 22 through 24 is the dressing room. So you put off. Now, God isn't going to take it off you. He forgives us of our sins, and I'm so thankful for that. 
But then change happens because I allow it to happen by the Holy Spirit. If I don't allow it to happen, it won't happen. That's why you see a lot of churches, people say, I I love the Lord, and they're just a bunch of grumpy people still living halfway like the world because they didn't want to change. You go in the change room to put off your old self, completely discard your former nature. All of it. Say all of it. All All right. Not just some of it. Not just so it looks good. Now I kind of look, look at me now, looking pretty good, you know. No, all of it. The former nature is corrupt with deceitful desires. Well, we have lots of prejudices. Folks, as I've, as, as I've grown in life, I'm a product of my family, my parents, my upbringing, and so forth. But as I've grown in life, I change, and I'm still changing. Amen? In the 1980s, some would remember... Uh, I don't know if any would remember. Anyway, we had Earl and Vera Roundtree here from Kansas City. And Earl and Vera, Jim, you remember? Okay, so Roger, remember? Okay, so Earl and Vera, I'm going to step down here a second, Lowell. Earl and Vera were very dark-skinned. We met them in Kansas City. They lived in the inner city of Kansas City. And, boy, tremendous preachers, tremendous prophecies and so forth. And Earl, yeah, Earl would always say, walk with me. And I can remember, get up and walk, and he'd, he'd grab my hand, you know, and I'd always, I can remember looking down my real white hand and his dark hand, and we'd walk together as he preached, and then he'd pull others out of the crowd and stuff, do the same thing. Well, we learned, we learned about different cultures. Earl said to me, he said, have you ever had a black preacher in Brookings? I said, I don't know. And to me, it was like, why would it matter? He said, because some black people aren't, aren't welcome in towns. There's places in Missouri and South. I can't go. I said, oh, so what, see, what happens? You, you ask questions like, see, we wouldn't think of that. We wouldn't think of that. We just go to church and you preach. No, no, he has to think about that. So it spawns conversations like, why couldn't you go? Why, how were you treated? What happened? Amen? You follow what I'm saying? So you, you get to know people. In fact, we visited their house and... In Kansas City once, remember, Jeannie, you and I drove up their neighborhood. It all looked nice. And I come to his house, and there's bars on the window. And there's bars on the door. I said, Earl, your house has bars. He says, I know. He says, because we travel. So we're gone, so it just kind of protects the house, you know. Boy, okay. So, see, people live differently, different places and so forth. They've come through different things. Earl and Vera, in the 1960s, there was a lot of riots, There was a lot of marching, way more than now. And people trying to bring to light uh, uh, differences, cultural differences. Very, very sad things happening. And Earl and Vera were in a Baptist church in Kansas City. Kansas City also had a lot of things going on in the inner city. But they got filled with the Holy Spirit, Earl and Vera, and they loved to worship. And they thought, there's a church over there that that they're worshiping, and we like to go there. Except it's all white. So Earl and Vera went, and they thought they got their courage, and so they went to this church. Now, this is a spirit-filled church, charismatic church. Everybody loves, well, it's all spirit-filled. And yet Earl and Vera walk in, and everybody's looking at him like, why are you here? You know, why are you coming to church? And Earl and Vera, they're in the third or fourth row or something. This is a pretty big church. They're worshiping the Lord. The pastor stops, and he comes down in front of everybody with the microphone, And he gives them a hug and he said, you're welcome here. And it broke, broke things in the atmosphere. That church 
that church later became mostly cultural with people from all different races and backgrounds and so forth. Maybe a third white and the rest other cultures. So we learned through different things how to relate to people by asking questions. Oscar and Crystal Jones from Detroit, relating with them and things that they've been through and so forth. So we have to put off our old nature, prejudices and things, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Say renewed. renewed. What does that mean? Get in your Bible. Get in your Bible. This is the book for renewal. Renewal means to begin to think right. How should I think? Get in your Bible. Amen? Get in your Bible. Then, then your mind can be renewed. The spirit of your mind, untarnished mental spiritual attitude. Now you put on, so you're in the dressing room, you're going to put on a new self. The regenerated nature created in God's image in the righteousness, holiness, holiness of the truth. Living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. So you're putting off the old, you're being renewed, and you're looking at the new, and so now you're going to put on the new things that God gives you to wear. When you go into the change room, it's private, it's revealing, it's very intimate. And there's a lot of times where people... Don't want to do it. In big theaters, if, if sometimes in a big theater operation and actors and so forth, actresses, they have clothes on and then there's a change of scenes. They'll go in. Lots of times there'll be someone in a big theater that'll help them quick change their clothes. A helper. The Gospel of John, John chapter 16, says that we have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come. Jesus says to wait, because I'm, wait a while, because I'm going to go to the Father. And he says, uh, uh, I think I might have the wrong verses up there. Anyway, I think I had the wrong verses there. But anyway, that, that he's going to give us a helper. He's going to help us in life. What should I do? It's like the Holy Spirit will say, I'll help you. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. This is what you want to major on. Now, folks, I can look at my dad and see characteristics of my dad that grew up in me. In me. My dad might flare off at a temper or something like that. And so then I have to think, wait a minute. What am I going to do to change? That's old nature. What am I going to do to change to put on a new nature? Amen? Amen. What am I going to do to act differently? What am I going to do to be a different person? Well, the Holy Spirit will help me. I'll get in the Word and so forth. I'm going to put off the old, reject the old, put on the new. Change your behavior with the help of the Holy Spirit. The church in the United States, but let's just say the church in the world, should be the leaders at bringing people together. The church should not be in the way where on Sunday mornings the church is segregated like everybody else. No, no. The church should be the leaders. How's that going to happen? Do you know why a lot of pastors don't want to take stands like that? It's because they got, oh, rich Billy Bob and somebody, somebody else like, well, we're not going to do that. And so they're more afraid of people than, than they are reverencing the word of God to do what God wants. Concerned that somebody's going to leave because they get offended rather than that the Holy Spirit would come because he's honored. The old guard, the old way of doing things. So the thing about it, folks, it isn't, like, it isn't like you go into the change room once. Folks, actually, I'm living there. 
I'm living there from day to day. He's changing me. He's working on me. I'm his workmanship. He's changing me to be like him. And that's a good thing. Because the more that I'm there, the more I like it. The more I actually like me, first of all, I think the more Jeannie likes me. My kids like me because they become more like Jesus. See, that's what a, what a better way to live life that way than to be hung up in your old ways. We grew up in a place in Iowa, you never saw a black person. You never saw a Native American. You never saw anybody. I remember going to a powwow one time in South Sioux City, uh, uh, down there in a reservation, and watching a powwow, and it's like, wow, there's another part of the world. Still remember it. That was a good thing. Broadening your scope. See, a lot of times, see, we, we think, you know, well, well this, is, this is kind of a white area or whatever. The truth is, folks, white people are a minority in the world. Probably good to get along with people. Amen? It's good to shine like Jesus. It's good to embrace others. Ephesians 4, verse 25. So it says, we, we, I tell you the truth, or therefore, rejecting all falsehood, lying, defrauding, telling half-truths. Well, you know, there's a lot of half-truths. Well, I think you've got to be careful. Because I heard from so-and-so, and they heard from so-and-so, and they heard from so-and-so, and they heard from so-and-so that... Isn't that sad? So, so, so people, people tell half-truths. They spread rumors. They spread lies. <laughs> I mean, you've got to think about this. You know, I mean, people think, you know, now listen, we live here. There's no problems here. You know, and I just, I just uh, want to say, well, well there, there are issues here. You know, it's like, it's like my grandkids are playing basketball. Two of my grandkids have black skin, and they're playing with their friends, and we know a lot of their friends, but not all their friends, but they're playing basketball in a park in Sioux Falls. And, and they're, they're, you know, some of these kids aren't Christians, so you know how it is. These are good athletes, but they're playing out there, and then some kids swear. Have you ever heard anybody swear? Well, I'm sure you have. But when they were on that court and somebody swore, you know what they did? You know what other people did? They called the Sioux Falls police. So the Sioux Falls police pulls up, you know. We had a report, uh, I guess somebody's swearing here. <laughs> and it's like, like our, our grandkids, for instance, why would someone call you because, because some people swore here? I played a lot of athletics, folks. I played around, of course, most of my life as an athlete. Wasn't a Christian. I guarantee you there was a little swearing, and no one ever called the police. But I would guess because they all had black skin, oh, oh, well, let's call the police. And I think Thor was right. He said, why wouldn't they just come and talk to us? We don't want you to swear. Okay. There's all kinds of things, see, that we deal with it. We put off, we put on, we speak truth with each other, with his neighbor. We're all parts of one another. We're all parts of the same button. Now, as Christians, right? Be angry. So be angry at sin. So you want to reject the old. You should be angry at sin. 
should be angry at things, immorality, injustice, 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 ungodly behavior, do not sin. Don't let your anger, your shame, don't allow, don't allow the sun to go down on it. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't hold a grudge, nurture anger, harbor resentment, cultivate bitterness. So I'm in the change room, but at any time, any time in the change room, if I say, no, 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 the Holy Spirit will stop. And that is where much of the body of Christ is at. In fact, how often do you hear a message like this? Not a lot. Not a lot. Because it gets touchy. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, could we remove this? Hey, ho! All right, gone too far now. Gone too far. And see, the Holy Spirit won't violate your will. The Holy Spirit won't go beyond what you allow. Holy Spirit's like a gentleman. So, so if you want to say no, you can. And you can walk around and dirty things and so forth. You can do as much as you allow. Stepping down here again a second, Lola. There are layers there are la- like clothing. I'm wearing layers, right? I'm wearing layers. So that's how we live our life. We, we have layers. People come, to the, come up and they pray and they say, oh, praise God. Did you know so-and-so God say, oh, that's wonderful. Now they're just, everything's brand new. No. No, there's layers. And unless you deal with real things, you'll never get below the surface. You'll never get to where you really should be. Isn't that right? Oh, we all look nice in here. Everybody's dressed nice and so forth. But unless you deal with stuff in your life, you can be holding all kinds of things in, in your life. I'm only going so far, so don't worry. (laughs) I'm not swinging my coat or anything. (laughs) But life... Life gets personal. Now, not, not with you necessarily, but I'm not, I'm not talking about just you with other people, but how, you, how the Holy Spirit wants to work in you. Isn't that right? So, you can look really nice on the outside. Oh, oh, oh. But not look so good on the inside. Old paint shirt. It was an old shirt anyway. It was an old team camp thing. So on the outside, everybody sees something that's nice. But really on the inside, something like this. See, the deeper you go, you get saved, you grow a little bit, change a couple habits, everything. Oh, they're just a oh, spirit-filled Christian. And folks, if that would be the case, then why in the United States are most churches have racial issues? Because they've never scratched to get below the surface. They've never scratched to get close to the heart. You know, Dave, the really, you know, the Holy Spirit will, the Holy Spirit knows your name. Amen. Dave, you really should deal with this. Oh. You want to say no? You want to say yes? You want to embrace change? You want to put on something better? Or do you want to walk out? Boy, enough of that. I'm going to go back and put on this again. Everybody knows me like this, and I'm just, 
Yeah, everybody knows you like that. But how do your coworkers know you? How do your coworkers know you? How do they relate to you? What's your attitude toward other coworkers? Toward anybody? Race could be an issue. What's your attitude if something gets, somebody gets divorced? You know, in some Pentecostal circles, if you were divorced, it was like anathema. Oh, 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 they got divorced. God could never use that person. Have you not read your Bible? I'm so amazed at how God has used people that had so many flaws <laughs> that we would have disqualified. And the Lord said, oh, I'll use that person. Why? They've repented. They love, they love me and so forth. I'll use that person. Isn't it amazing how many people, think about this, people champion, you know, well, abortion is just terrible and we've got to get rid of abortion and so forth. On the other hand, they say, uh, can you adopt that child? Oh, adopt? Oh, no, we can't really have a child in our house. Well, could you pay their medical bills? Oh, well, who do you think I am? Am I rich? Am I going to pay their bills or help out? Oh, no, no, but we want to point a finger at how bad something is, but then do nothing, on the other hand, to help that person out. Should be a couple more amens. See, think about it. Think think about if abortion today, the champions, no more abortion, all done, all cleansed, everything done, all right, all done. And how would most Christians feel? We really did something. We really did something. Oh, there's a pregnant mother over here, an unwed mother or something. They need help. Well, they better get some help. Well, the government ought to help them. What about if they're in the church? Well, somebody should help them. I don't Not going to be me, of course. When you get in the dressing room, he wants to scratch in your heart and get all these things like... Dave, there's a lot of blemishes here. There's a lot of things I'd like to change if you allow me to change you. To be like I want you to be. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. But it could be uncomfortable. It's very personal. You know, you don't see my private time. Every day I'm with the Lord early in the morning. You don't see my private time. But I'm in a dressing room. And he's working on my life, and I totally realize I'm not a perfect person. But I want to grow. And I want to change. And I want to be like the person Jesus wants me to be. Some people think, well, you're getting kind of old, getting kind of late in life. I say, I know that, but I want to finish strong. I want to do what I can to be a blessing to this world, no matter who I meet. And that's on purpose. That doesn't just happen. That's not a prayer. We're going to have a prayer line today. You're all going to change. No, no, it's not going to happen that way. It's a personal choice to deal with things. Isn't that right? I mean, I remember being, uh, we were at a church in another city, an African-American church. And then some people knew that a couple of our grandsons were black. And then some of them thought, well, why is that? And I said, because the mother chose them. The mother chose them. And then I said this, maybe there should be more black families adopting children. 
And then I'll put the shoe back over here. Question, maybe more African-American families should adopt. And you know what they did? The church did that. They made a whole adoption program so that families in that church could adopt African-American kids. See, folks, just think, though, about your life. What can you do? So you live in, you live in Brookings or some of you are visiting, you live in different areas. What can you do? Well, you can just be Jesus. Just be Jesus to the world around you. Smile at people. Be nice to people. You know what happened at the last trip in India? You know what happened? I sat down. So we're staying at this hotel. <clears throat> some businessmen and so forth there. And I go down. So usually for my protein of the day, I got a hard-boiled egg. I got some cornflakes. How many of you like boiling hot milk? Raise that, you know, in African places. When the kids have stayed in our house, I remember, I remember they took the milk out of the fridge, they poured it on the cornflakes, and then put it in the microwave and incinerated it. And I said, why did you do that? Question, right? How do you find out? Why did you do that? And they said, well, that's how we do it. We have hot cereal. I said, okay. Well, in India, you don't have pasteurized milk or anything, and so they boil the milk. So now I totally understand because I incinerate my cereal. So I have my boiled egg, and I have my incinerated cereal, and, and I'm eating that. And then, and then there, was, there was some people needed some place to sit. So in one case, a Hindu businessman came and sat down by me, and we talked. And it was fun. It wasn't like, how can I get this guy saved? How can I do No, no, it wasn't that way at all. I said, what do you do? Explained what he did. I said, where do you live? Explained where he was from. And do you have family? Yes, and so forth. And then, so he, t- he, he enjoyed the conversation. So he was just thrilled. Then he asked about my family. So we visited. He got up and left. Another businessman sat down. We had the same conversation. These guys kept looking for me each day. Can we talk again? You know, <laughs> I didn't always have the time. But see, what, what happened? What happened in one setting is we built a relationship. People from totally different cultures and backgrounds and religion and everything, and yet we built a relationship by just talking, by listening. All right. Ephesians 4. So we don't want to cover up things. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to expose it. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let's do that. Don't let an unwholesome... Uh, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words come out of your mouth. Pretty clear, huh? You know, I mean, I mean, uh, you know how it is today. I mean, people swear like it's just part of the language. And it's like, no, it's not. Only speech such as good, building up others according to the need of the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by your words, by your actions. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He seals us, prepares us for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequence of sin. So we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to work with the Holy Spirit. And this is a constant process. And let me just, let me close by saying, let's just go into Ephesians 5. It's like the first two verses. And so it says, become imitators or a follower of God. Now, most Christians in America, they'd say, I'm a follower of God. It's like, and they are to a point. But folks, we want to follow no matter what he's asking us to do. Amen? Amen? To serve him, 
to follow his example, the example of Jesus who loved everybody without partiality, no discrimination, no prejudice, nothing. Not race, not rich or poor, didn't matter to him. Be well-beloved children, imitating their father. The old line, what would Jesus do? Yeah, Lord, what would you do? Walk continually in love. That's value one to another. Practice empathy, compassion, and selfish, seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved and gave himself up for us. So practice this. Walk with Jesus. Love as he would love. Amen? Now, I want to say this, that I enjoy culture. I just do. I enjoy culture. I enjoy, I realize how big this world, how many diverse societies and uh, languages and tribes and cultures and so forth that there are. Jamal, I've never met anybody else from your country, so I'm always glad I met someone from your country. You know, Turkmenistan, right? Turkmenistan, yeah. You know, that's how you build things. That's how you work together. Sometimes people say, well, now they don't sing how we sing. Is yours right? <laughs> Why not have both? Sometimes people will preach. We have people here preaching, and some people say, well, I can't understand that one. Well, I said, well, you focus, and you probably can. If you focus, you probably can. You can hear what they're saying. Amen? If you just focus, just try a little harder. We had a friend in member going to Fargo. And we're trying to help this couple from an African country and so forth. And they had a little church. And, and uh, so we went to their church and encouraged the people there and so forth. And we're talking. And then he was saying how a lot of them had gone to a big Pentecostal church there. But most of the church was white. And so the big Pentecostal white church obliged them by saying, you know, you folks should probably have your own church. So we'll buy one for you. This just happened like five years ago. And we'll buy one for you on the other side of town. And that's what they did. So that those Africans, black folks, can go over there. Rather than trying to embrace culture, they refused to change. I'm not going in that change room. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to help them out. I'm not going to do that. People come. Just remember this. Uh, uh, I was talking to Sepha again the other day when his wife Jessie had come, and we thought, oh, we'll go to the pizza ranch and eat. And it, was, it was new to her. It's like she didn't like pizza. And I thought, doesn't everybody like pizza? No, everybody doesn't like pizza. See, that's your food, our food, but everybody likes your food. When we're in India, we eat Indian food with our fingers. And they actually like it. People will watch us. Isn't that right? It's, we had to get over our uncomfortableness. They'd set out a big thing at table and everybody sit there and watch. And to see, and, and then they're so happy that we would eat like they eat and what they eat. So we use our fingers, we become, become good at it, and then we eat their food. They love it. They just, they're just thrilled. And I like it on top of it. So I don't lose weight in a missions trip anymore. I'm always gaining probably. So. It's just good. You learn to adjust. Your normal is not somebody else's normal. Amen? So find out what somebody else is doing. Learn from them. Amen? So let's, just for a minute, let's lift our hands. So Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I hope you can agree with it. 
Holy Spirit, we offer ourselves to you that you would change us, that you would work in our hearts, work in our lives. We thank you for salvation, but we pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be changed in the deep inner man to be like you. Lord, lots of things that need adjustments and stuff, but we pray the fruit of the Holy Spirit would be manifested in us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, great love. Lord, that we would learn from others, work with others, embrace other cultures to be like you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you. The Bible book is a world book. We just thank you for, for this word that works around the world in every setting. We thank you for changing us for your glory. For your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited for what God has for us. I'm excited for things that are ahead. Amen. In this church, keep keep open fellowship, heart-to-heart fellowship. Amen. Uh, even like... Here, Jamal and Aaron just, just visiting today, but you could always just say, hey, how are things going? Some of you that hadn't seen Jamal in a while, or Lance, how are things going? What are you doing? Just talk to people, amen? So we just bless you in the name of Jesus. We bless people here and people watching right now. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, let's give them a shout of praise, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.